You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to a new series of Attaboy Clarence, now going weekly. Yes, that's right, the next bank of episodes will be reaching you on a weekly basis. Patrons will be getting two shows a week for their sins. I have to say, the old patrons keep arriving and pushing me towards my dream of doing this for a living. So if you'd like to join them in their generosity and become a co-producer at the same time and earn bonus material and put a bounce in my walk, then go on over to patreon.com slash attaboysecret or follow the link in the show notes to sign up. I'll love you forever if you do. Must just quickly apologize for the brief hiatus lately, completely unplanned, I assure you. What happened is that I decided to sell my house and put the blighter on the market, only to find a buyer almost instantaneously, but upon the condition that the house be vacated immediately, and so has followed a madcap process of packing up an entire house and finding a new place to live and then scramming to that new house. Pleased to say that the move is done, the house is sold, I can now concentrate on making more podcasts. Incidentally, I do apologise if the sound feels a little iffy today. This is a new recording space and I'm still figuring it all out. Plus, I have a horrendous cold. Anyway, Attaboy Clarence is back. The secret history of Hollywood is back. Part 7 of Shadows came out a week or so ago. I have to say, the fastest downloads ever for that thing. So thank you for that. But it's Attaboy time right now, so today I'll be throwing a few movies your way, playing you some classic old-time radio, plus some delightful music. I'll be answering some questions from the question pot. We'll be trying to guess who the hell that Hollywood legend is. I'll be telling you all about a brand new film club I'm opening. God, there's so much happening. Even this is happening. Here's the story of the 1940 cars in a nutshell. Why do they keep cars in a nutshell? Best bets Buick. See your nearest Buick dealer for complete details. I do love a good fanfare. You know what else? I love a bit of cream of wheat, don't you? I mean, I'm only human. But someone else loved it so much that they wrote this song. Cream of wheat is so good. Now that is real love. Up in the morning, out on the job, work like the devil for my pay. But that lucky old son has nothing to do but roll around 
all day Us with my woman Toil for my kids Sweat till I'm wrinkled in gray While that lucky old son Has nothing to do But roll around heaven all day Good Lord up above Can't you know I'm pining All in my eyes Send down that cloud With the silver lining Lift me to paradise Show me that river Take me across And wash all my troubles away Like that lucky old son Give me nothing to do But roll around heaven all day Take me across and wash all my troubles away Like that lucky old son Give me nothing to do but roll around Lovely, lovely, lovely Louis Armstrong there with that lucky old son. Well, despite the blazing sunshine lately, it's always fun to take a trip into the shadows now and then. And so if you like your movies drenched in darkness, then the perfect companion to your noir adventures is the excellent new edition of The Dark Pages, which thankfully is a supersized edition featuring a new section called What's New in Noir, dedicated to all the new releases on DVD and Blu-ray of noir classics. A feature on 1957's Hell Drivers, 1953's The Big Heat, a spotlight on Lee Patrick, sci-fi noir, and lots, lots more. You can't possibly call yourself a fan of film noir unless you're reading the dark pages. So to get your free sample edition, and to subscribe, and subscribe hard, go to www.allthatnoir.com and sign the hell up. Hey, how are your guessing skills lately? Have they matured during my absence? Let's see, shall we? I have to say, I think you'll get this one pretty quickly. The voice is very distinctive, but who knows, maybe they'll fox you. Prick up your ears, then, and listen for the clues as we play another round of Who the Hell is That Hollywood Legend? As you know, 
in the case of our mystery challenger, we dispense with all preliminaries, get right down to the general questioning, which we will begin with Miss Arlene Francis. ...that you are somebody very well known in the entertainment world, is that correct? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> An actor in the entertainment world? Yeah. Have you been in pictures? Yeah. And the theater? Yeah. Are you better known in one medium than the other? Perhaps. I wouldn't say so, no. You who? Actually, I would say this. I think on, a, on the general level, a professional would probably say equally, but I think the lay public would know our guest more for one medium than another. So we qualified yes. Then that must be the picture medium. If the yeah. lay public would... You're better known for your picture work. I suppose so. Have you... <laughs> would you consider yourself a leading man? I mean, do you get the girl in the end? Well, some people tell me I'm the Austin doctor. What? I'm the Austin doctor and appealing. You're seductive and appealing? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you speak English? <laughs> I know, are you in this country? <laughs> Not as long as you, I feel. <laughs> are you, uh, have you been in pictures for more than ten years? Yeah. Is there a picture of yours playing now on Broadway? Twice. <laughs> Twice? <laughs> Double or nothing? Getting higher and higher. Yeah. Are you a comedian? You are tonight, anyway. <laughs> You no, are a comedian? I, Sometimes. I don't think we could call our guest a comedian, Miss Arlene. It might mislead everybody else. <laughs> I, I give up. I give up. He's a comedian. Go ahead. Is you is or is you ain't a comedian? Well, uh, evidently this is one of those issues that has to be settled on two bases. On a subjective basis, our guest feels that he should have the right to so declare himself, so you go ahead. I see. Well, let me put it this way. Uh, are the parts that you play in pictures mostly comedic? I would say no. Uh -huh. <laughs> Unfortunately. One down and nine to go, Mr. Smith. Uh, may I ask if you're married? Yeah. Has your wife ever done any work on screen? Well, no. Just uh, little tokens here and there for good luck. Tokens. Tokens for good luck. <laughs> no, I think the answer there would substantially be no, Bennett, if you will permit. That's two down and eight to go, Miss Kilgallen. Have you ever played gangster roles or hard-boiled roles? Yeah. Have you also, in a film, ever played a clergyman? Of any sort. I don't think so, not clergyman. No. Three down and seven to go, Mr. Allen. Have you been in pictures longer than 15 years? Yeah. That's as far as I'll go with that. <laughs> Would you say that you uh, usually do leads in most of the pictures in which you appear? Yeah. Uh -huh. And you, you play gangster roles. Uh, were your best-known characterizations in that sort of part? Yeah. Are you uh, under five feet ten? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> Nine? <laughs> yeah. Anyone out for eight? Just <laughs> <laughs> about. Uh, well, I can't think of very many five feet eight tough guys. I'll just mention the name that comes to mind. Okay, we'll stop it there. Do you have an idea? You should have a pretty good idea. Anyway, hold on to it for now, and we'll find out later.
Hey, here's a thing. Some delightful soul on Twitter alerted me to a fantastic service that had completely passed me by. It's called watchtogether.com. That's W-A-T-C-H-2-G-E-T-H-E-R.com. Basically, what it means is that I can create an online room at a given date and time and invite you fine people into said room with the purpose of watching a movie together at the same time. We can chat while it's on, praise it or ridicule it as we see fit and basically hang out and watch movies together. Hence the name. So this is something I'm rolling out to patrons this month, a once a month movie meetup or film club, if you will. I'll eventually roll it out to all you listeners, but I want to start it small and see how it all works out before throwing the doors wide open. So if you're a patron, then you'll be receiving your special invite very soon, along with a chance to vote on the film of choice. And for anyone else who wants to be involved, stay tuned. And if it all turns out to be as good as I hope, then praise be. An actual film club for classic movie lovers. You and me and all the other like-minded film fans in one room watching The Brighton Strangler or Obsession or Sherlock Holmes or something. Film club! Tell you what, let's stop messing around and talk about a movie, shall we? How about 1937's Jim Hanvey Detective, starring Guy Kibbe? Guy Kibbe is one of those actors you're always glad to see. In fact, if you're a fan of James Cagney, you'll definitely recognize him. He starred in so many Cagney movies. Blonde Crazy, Taxi, The Crowd Roars, Footlight Parade, Winner Take All. Short little man with a very bold head and a very distinctive voice and one of the most memorable and distinctive supporting players of 1930s cinema. What a lovely surprise then to see him taking the lead for once in Jim Hanvey Detective. For those of you who don't know, Jim Hanvey was a very famous fictional private investigator in 20s literature. He's described as overweight and uncouth, but dazzlingly smart. A backwoods Nero Wolf is perhaps the most famous description of him, and it's very accurate. Most of his little adventures involve him solving a crime by using his corn poke practicalities. He's a country boy through and through, and in this, the second screen adaptation for Jim Hanvey, We begin by seeing him holed up in his farmhouse, stuffing bacon and eggs into his mouth as a young couple call on him to ask for his help. Why are you so interested in them emeralds? Why? I stole them. (laughs) Well, of all the nervy, thieving critters I ever saw... Hey, don't get us wrong, Mr. Hanvey. I had to do it, Mr. Hanvey. I couldn't let those two fellas make a sap out of me. You had two men with you? No, they were against him. They bet me $100 I wasn't as good a cracksman as Raffles. Oh, and you bet that you were, huh? Well, I had a couple of drinks. As I say, the best part of this film is seeing grumpy little guy Kibby getting to play the leading man for once, and he does a marvellous job. I think that's one of the things I love most about films from this period. You could have an entire movie centred around someone like Guy Kibby, who in no way resembles the ideal image of a leading man, but who's eminently more watchable than 99% of all the heartthrobs doing the rounds today. Powerful, sorry. Uh, I hope it wasn't you. Oh, no. Uh, very old. Only 2,000 years. Oh, that's good. Maybe a little glue. Anyway, the plot itself is your standard B-movie mystery type thing. There's some stolen jewels and a series of drawing rooms and some red herrings and two lovable gunmen played by Edward Brophy and William Gargan. 
and lots of head-scratching and deducting. But I'll tell you what, my attention was completely grabbed not by the mystery playing out before me, but by the fact that as I watched it, I realized that Guy Kibbe looks exactly like Donald Trump, if Donald Trump had really bad hair. Yes, try to imagine that possibility. And so I spent the entire film marveling at what Donald Trump would look like with no hair at all. I mean, I think we can kind of agree that Donald Trump with no hair would look infinitely better than Donald Trump with the hair he has now. Well, get your preview on by watching Jim Hanvey Detective, because Guy Kibbe looks just like him, right down to the jowly chin. But more than that, here's your chance to see what Donald Trump would be like if he was a bold farmer who solved mysteries, which is an image I've often mused upon, I must admit. And wouldn't you like to see what Donald Trump would look like as a bold mystery-solving farmer who plays Pop Goes the Weasel on the piano? Wish granted. How about Donald Trump as a bold mystery-solving detective who shoots a rabbit with a blunderbuss? This film has you covered. I've been shooting in the wrong direction. You keep that gun away, Harry. Oh, sorry. If I can't get me a rabbit, I'm going to bag me a vice president of the Continental Insurance Company. How about watching a bold Donald Trump in a crappy old suit who gets gassed into unconsciousness as he searches a room for some stolen diamonds? Voila. I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in wanting to see Donald Trump in all those scenarios, and if you're one of the many millions who wants those fantasies fulfilled as well, along with the chance to see a quite charming little crime mystery along the way, then do search out Jim Hanvey, Detective. Maybe you have a question. Well, throw it into the question pot. Strangely, there is no next line. Well, maybe I'll read your question out on the show, or maybe not. Now, here's someone with a handbell. Yes, time to delve into the question pot to see what you've been slinging my way. The first one here is from Carl McAllister, who writes, Hi, Adam. I'm a long-time listener and fan of your work and have a question for the question pot. I love watching the classic movies you review in your podcast, but I always wonder how they used to create the title cards or credits before any kind of software or specialist editing equipment was available. Were these painted stills filmed and spliced together with the footage? I've tried looking online for techniques they would have used, but can never find what I'm looking for. Also, would love you to cover early filming techniques in one of your podcasts. Any chance? Well, hi, Carl, and thank you. You're basically right. Title cards and opening credits were mainly just painted boards or glass with the writing hand-painted upon them. Techniques like the dissolve cut, where one image fades into another, became commonplace fairly quickly and were applied to title sequences, which gave them a bit of pizzazz. In 1906, you see the first example of an animated title sequence, with J. Stuart Blackton's opening credits for his film Humorous Phases of Funny Faces. I wonder what that film was about. Anyway, this was done with chalk and stop motion and just slotted in at the beginning. You also see animated titles from the likes of Lottie Reininger in the 20s, and even at the beginning of Alfred Hitchcock's breakout hit The Lodger in 1927. But I digress. Yes, for the most part, title cards were simply painted boards that were then photographed and edited in. And yes, a show on early film techniques would be very good. I shall look into it. Another question here from Julie Browning, who asks, Where can I purchase my very own Attaboy Clarence t-shirt? Well, Julie, 
It just so happens that the trigger is about to be pulled on some very official Attaboy Clarence and Secret History of Hollywood merchandise. T-shirts are incoming. I've had some excellent designs from patrons, one of which features Suki as James Cagney. So what I'll be doing is putting a clarion call out on social media in the next few weeks, asking you all to vote for the design that you'd like to see go into production first. Whichever one wins will be available for a limited time as a t-shirt. So if you aren't already, then do follow me on Twitter at at attaboyc or at moviehistories or over on Facebook at facebook.com slash attaboyclarence. And if you've got a question for the question pot, fling it on in by going to www.attaboyclarence.com, scroll down the homepage and fling a question into the question pot. I thank you. So throw your flipping questions into the shiny question pot. You might hear your question next time. So until then, get your thinky cap on for the question pot. Okay, that's the end. is happiness darling 
and put all your dreams away. Gorgeous Frank Sinatra there with Put Your Dreams Away, you dreamy-voiced, silvery-tongued actor, you. Well, how about another film, 1939's The Amazing Mr. Williams, starring Joan Blondell, Melvin Douglas, Edward Brophy, and Ruth Donnelly. Honestly, I should have my head examined. The world is full of nice, normal men, and I become engaged to a crazy cop. Darling, I wish you wouldn't keep referring to me as a cop. I'm a grade-A detective. Homicide squad's a vastly different thing. It's an impossible kind of a life to ask any woman to lead. I never know where you are or when. It isn't as if it paid anything to make it worthwhile. Oh, we should tell Captain McGovern that. And what if we do get married? What about the children? When they ask me, where's Papa? What am I going to say? Just say I slipped out for a minute. Oh, I do wish you'd be serious, Kenny. You have a good background. Chef salad? Yeah. A law school education. Certain amount of brains. Why didn't you pick something with a future? Something with a little more dignity. Yes, you're absolutely right, darling. I'll take it up with you the first thing in the morning. In the meantime, this is your evening, and I'm not going to let anything spoil it. This is the story of Kenny Williams, an overworked police lieutenant who's far too busy solving crimes to spend time with his fiancée, Maxine, played by Joan Blondell. Kenny has stood Maxine up so many times in order to go off chasing crime that she's now threatened to dump him for good. So when he's given an assignment to escort notorious criminal Buck Mosby to jail on the very night that he's supposed to be taking Maxine out on a date, he decides that rather than stand Maxine up and lose her forever, he'll take Buck along on the date. Listen, Buck, I want you to do me a little favor. For what? I'm going to introduce you to a couple of ladies. And I want you to try to act like a gentleman. Well, what about the train? We can catch the 11.45. Now, wait a minute. I know my rights. I don't have to take any blind date. Listen, either you do this for me or I'll have the warden take away your Sunday baseball. To get her own back on Kenny, Maxine informs his boss about what Kenny has done, but instead of firing him, the police captain keeps him on, much to Maxine's dismay. But she isn't licked yet. Maxine realizes that the best way of getting Kenny out of the force is to volunteer him for the worst missions the department has to offer. And so begins an ever-escalating series of madcap operations involving cross-dressing, muggings, and subterfuge. It's the girlfriend versus the police department, but who will win? Apparently, this was Columbia's attempt at creating their own series of wise-cracking lovers, a trend started by the Thin Man films, which had been imitated since their release. Joan Blondell is wonderful, Melvin Douglas is wonderful, and even gets a drag scene. But Nick and Nora, it ain't. In fact, there's hardly anything to distinguish it from the several thousand other fluffy romantic comedies that were drowning Hollywood at the time. There are nice touches in it. For instance, the to-and-fro between Blondell and Kenny's boss is pretty delightful, and Edward Brophy as the good-for-nothing criminal is all sorts of fun to watch. Ruth Donnelly, similarly, always lights up the screen. What I mean is that it does have its sparkling moments, but moments are all they are. Whereas the Thin Man films had chemistry and wit and mystery and a sense of humor that still resonates today, The Amazing Mr. Williams is rather pale and ultimately a forgettable little rom-com that's pleasant enough to watch passively, but which doesn't really lodge itself in their memory. 
Therefore, while I do recommend you take a look, don't expect anything legendary. Okay, so if you're following me on Twitter, you may have seen that I have something of an announcement to make. Now, look, I'm not being a tease, or at least I'm not trying to be a tease, but I can't tell you everything. But this news is simply too good not to hint at, and I'm actually bursting with excitement about it. So anyway, I have been asked by a very well-respected British broadcaster to work on an audio offering that will be broadcast later this year. You may draw your own obvious conclusions about who that might be. It is very exciting, and I'm stupendously nervous, but it is going to be awesome, and I just had to tell someone. As soon as I have an official something to announce, I shall be doing so. Also, just quickly, for those of you who send me inquiries weekly about what has happened to the back episodes of The Secret History of Hollywood and when they'll be available to download again... I have just received word from their new owner that an announcement on that front is coming imminently. In fact, I have been given a date, and I can tell you that the wait is very almost over. So again, keep it here for an announcement on that. Gosh, it's very exciting this year. I better temper my delirium by telling you about another movie, hadn't I? 1938's The Baroness and the Butler, to be exact, starring William Powell as the butler, and Annabella as the Baroness. Good morning, Baroness. Good morning to you, Johan. I suppose I'm being served last, as usual. You're still the youngest, Baroness. Mm-hmm. I hope you rested well. Oh, yes. I always rest well here in the country. I feel I am a thousand miles from Budapest, not just 40. And how are you getting along, Johan? I? I mean, haven't you married or anything? Oh, no, Excellency. Neither married nor anything. But you must marry, Johan, so that when you are old, your son can take your place in my father's house. You represent a dynasty here. The dynastic phase of it never occurred to me, Excellency. So here we have the tale of Hungarian Prime Minister Count Albert Sandor, played by Henry Stevenson, whose faithful butler, Johan Porok, played by William Powell, has suddenly been elected to the opposition Social Progressive Party. This means that at home, all is harmony between man and servant. But when they hit the parliament, it's all-out war. Isn't he thrilling? May I suggest that if this government's present policy continues much longer, the people will have nothing left to be relieved of. (laughs) The Sandor family are disgusted at Johann's new position in government and openly shun him. All that is, except the Count's daughter, Baroness Katrina, played by Annabella, who, despite her dismay at Johann's new position, can't seem to not be in love with him. But who will win out in the Sandor household? Loyalty or duty? Politics or love? And will you be able to understand a word that Annabella says? Every now and then I spy a film somewhere and I look at who's in it and I say, yep, wow. That goes straight to the top of the pile. And when I saw this movie, I had the very same reaction. It sounds brilliant. You have William Powell in another kind of Godfrey role, winning the heart of a haughty baroness while crusading to protect his beliefs. Brilliant. It was made in 1938, so you're guaranteed to have that late 30s glamour. Also brilliant. The supporting cast, Henry Stevenson, Joseph Schildkraut, J. Edward Bromberg, Nigel Bruce. Good God, how wonderful. And so what a colossal disappointment 
to report that it's so boring. Oh my good heavens, I persevered so long. I fell asleep twice. I cranked it up again and again and did my utmost to remain interested. But it moves at such a sluggish pace that despite my wanting to, I just couldn't fall in love with it. There's so little wit, so little invention, so little of that magical William Powell from The Thin Man. Here he's very serious. And it's hardly surprising, really. Gene Harlow, the love of his life, had recently died. And this was his first film back. It was a form of therapy. But the light is gone from his eyes, poor guy. He would get it back, of course. By the time the 40s rolled around, he was back on form. But the form is sorely lacking here, unfortunately. It's a real shame because all the ingredients are right. I just think it needed an Ernst Lubitsch or a Billy Wilder at the helm instead of a Walter Lang who was sporadically good, but unable to win the good fight on this occasion. But I tell you what, if you're a fan of that premise, namely a servant who takes on the class system and finds love in the process, then how about this offering? In 1926, The Grand Duchess and the Waiter was a silent hit for Paramount with Adolf Monchu and Florence Vidor in the lead roles. Well, in 1936, the Lux Radio Theatre had the good sense to translate this silent hit for the radio and it is a very charming little affair. This is The Grand Duchess and the Waiter, then, starring Robert Montgomery and Alyssa Landy as Albert Durant and The Grand Duchess Xenia, then. I do hope you like it. Our scene is the lounge room of the Palace Hotel at Mantra, Switzerland. It's early evening, and except for the presence of Albert the Waiter, the room is deserted. Albert, attired in a brass-buttoned waiter's coat and stiff-bosomed shirt, is slumped comfortably in an armchair, idly blowing rings of smoke at the ceiling. Matad, the hotel manager, enters the lounge. He sees Albert, stops short, and then stands watching him with ill-disguised irritation. Well, good evening, Albert. Oh, hello. Quite comfortable, I hope. Got everything you require? Yes, thank you. There's a draft, though. You might shut that door. Shut the door? You must be mad. Mad or insane, I don't know which. A fine waiter I've been landed with, sitting in the lounge room. And what's that you're smoking? That? Oh, that's a cigar. <coughs> Why? A cigar. You pick them up in the gutter, I suppose. No, not as a rule. Well, that's what you'll be doing soon enough if you don't look out. You don't happen to have a match on you, do you? Get out of that chair. Get up, I say. Uh -huh. Well, if you insist. Do you realize that this is the first time in the history of this hotel that any of its staff, and a mere waiter, too, has dared to sit in the lounge? You don't say. Why, I wouldn't sit here myself, even though I am the manager. I know my place. What are you doing here? Just thinking. Thinking? Dreaming? Yes, that's it, dreaming. How did you know? Well, you're going to have a rude awakening, young man, the next thing you know. Is that so? That is so. It was only on Mr. Hapgood's recommendation that I employed you at all. But when he hears how you've been behaving... Oh, you're going to snitch, eh? Why, what do you mean, snitch? Yes. I said I'm going to tell you. That's what I thought you said. Oh, be quiet. Of all the hotels that Mr. Hapgood supervises, he sends you to this one. But wait. Just wait. All right, I will. But what have I done wrong? What have you done right? That's what I want to know. Well, I haven't had much experience. Now, don't I... talk nonsense. It isn't experience that counts in our profession. It's instinct. Instinct? Oh, yes. Now, how many tips have you had during the last week? Tell me that. Well, as a matter of fact, now, I... None. Not one. I thought as much. Oh, you're of no use at all. Well, it isn't my fault that people forget to tip me. Not your fault. 
fault. Why, of course it is. Nobody's going to tip you unless you insist upon it. How on earth can I insist upon it? Quite easily. You have finished serving. Mm -hmm. Do you leave? No. Yeah, no. You say, uh, mm -hmm. uh, will, uh, will that be all, monsieur? I see. Everything quite satisfactory, monsieur? I see, and then I hold out my hand. Oh, no, you don't have to. <clears throat> it's merely a question of will, strength of character, the power of the human eye. No, 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 it wouldn't work if I tried it. Well, it would if you had any brains, any tact. Oh, but you'll never learn. A perfect waiter is born. Not me. I thought I was getting pretty good at the waiting part of it. You're lamentable. Absolutely lamentable. Directly a crisis arises, you're done. Yes. Now, when you're waiting on our ordinary clients, you do manage to make go some sort of a show. Yes, that's what I thought. But I... when it's something unusual, why, you lose your head completely. Yes, I... Now, what happens when you serve vegetables at the Grand Duke's table? Oh. You tremble all over. That's right. Your knees knock together so loudly it can be heard in the next room. Yes. And tonight at dinner, you dropped and spilled the melted butter down the Grand Duchess's back. Oh, did I do that? It must have slipped. You slipped. Yes, and you were in such a daze that I don't believe you even noticed it. But you must have burnt her highness badly. Burnt her? Good Lord, I must have looked like a halfwit. You exaggerate by 50%. Yes, perhaps you're right. <laughs> The Grand Duchess could never care for a quarter weight, could care she? Care the Grand... What are you talking about? Monsieur well, Matthias, what is it? The Grand Duchess, she has been calling for a waiter. But where is she? In the private lounge with be... Countess Avalov and the two Grand Dukes. Oh, send Louis, I... send Ormond. I've been looking I for them, be... monsieur, but Louis is all for Oh, Armand. why did I ever become the manager of a hotel? <laughs> Albert, you'll have to go. Now, quick. I'm on my way. But for heaven's sake, don't spill anything. Come in. Good evening, Your Highness. What is it? Uh, you asked for a waiter? That was ten minutes ago. Yes, but I... Uh... Never mind now. Coffee for four. And uh, one brandy. Uh, one brandy, two brandy. Uh, uh... Coffee for four and now, two brandy. Now, go on, go on. <clears throat> yes, Your Highness. You would order a brandy, Uncle Paul? My dear girl, why not? Haven't I just been telling you, all of you, that we're in desperate financial straits? But Zany, just two brandies? It can't be as bad as that. Oh, but it is, Peter. What do you think we've been living on? We haven't paid a bill for two months. Oh, but I'm sure the manager trusts us, Your Highness. Of course he does. But what's going to happen when he presents his bill? Well, I suggest that we uh, uh, worry about that when the time comes. I'm not worrying, Peter. I'm merely advising all of you that our funds are very low. Oh. Well, you may be a Grand Duke, Peter. And you too, Uncle Paul. But even Grand Dukes must dine occasionally. But, Your Highness, the jewels, are they all gone? You've only got to look at me to see... For a year and a half after the revolution, we lived on what I wore on my fingers. My wrists proved enough for the next two years. After that, my ears kept us going for another six months. Today, there's nothing left but my neck. Your necklace? Oh, no, Your Highness, you can't tell that. Ah, the Empress necklace. Peter, stop speculating. It's the only thing we have left. Impossible. I absolutely forbid it. While it was only your rings, tiara, and bracelets, I raised no objection. Those trinkets I should be able to replace someday. Mm, someday. Well, yes, and very soon too, I hope. But the imperial necklace, oh, that's quite a different matter altogether. Why, it's irreplaceable, unique. I entirely agree, Paul. Uh, you know, Zania, it's always been a family arrangement, uh, it was the will of the late emperor, that uh, someday you and I should get married. Mm, someday. Eh? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm speaking, therefore, with the authority of your future husband when I forbid you to sell that necklace. We haven't sunk to that yet. My poor Peter. And I may add that as far as I am concerned, you needn't bother. 
I'm earning my own living. You earning your living? You mean to say that you're at work? Yes, I'm... Well, it's uh, not work exactly. It's uh, more what you might call uh, business. It's like this. I buy an automobile on credit, you see, and then I sell it again. <laughs> a little cheaper for cash. Is that all? Well, that's all, but as I've managed to do it... Four times during the last month, I've made a profit of nearly 200,000 francs. 200? How what? Uh, did you get such a wonderful idea? I don't know. It just uh, came to me. Why, it's an inspiration. <laughs> you flatter me, Uncle Paul. No, I only say what I think. Yes, there's no doubt that men of our class possess a sort of innate superiority over ordinary people. And we can't help showing it. Even when we forsake our own sphere to engage in a vulgar thing like trade. Peter, huh? how much of that 200,000 francs have you got left? Oh, uh, uh, well, as a matter of fact, just mm, for the moment. Nothing at all. That charming lady of the chorus whom you see so much of. Uh, what charming? Uh, how did you know? Well, everybody knows. She's taken everything from you, I understand, even your diamond stud. Oh. Really, Peter, as a future husband, you have some qualities that are not altogether attractive. Zane, you know. Oh, I'm I... not jealous. But let me give you a word of advice. Try wearing bone studs in the future, and perhaps you'll be able to keep them. But Zania, dear... Oh, I must also ask you not to meddle in my affairs. I do what I do because it's my duty. You'll believe me when I say that at heart I... Well, I, I should have preferred... Oh, but you wouldn't understand. Uh, I'm afraid I don't. Come in. The coffee, Your Highness? Well, don't stand there holding it up in the air. Put it down. Yes, Your Highness. I... Oh, oh, you oh, oh, Nothing spilled. Oh. Are you in the habit of setting down trays in that manner? I'm so sorry, Your Highness. It slipped a little. Slipped? Slipped. A little. And the table, too. It's a bad table to serve on. You see, downstairs the tables are lower. They're at least two inches difference, Your Highness. Oh, well, that explains... Uh, yes. What has that got to do with it? Well, a great deal, Your Highness. When one is used to serving on a low table and suddenly encounters a high table, the impulse is to let the tray down to the height of the low table. Well, well, well. Well, well, that's what I did. I, uh, get out. Wait a minute. Aren't you the same waiter who poured the melted butter down my back at dinner? Yes, Your Highness. That was I. Well, you seem proud of it. Oh, oh no, just pleased that Your Highness remembers me. I... Uh, get out. <laughs> yes, Your Highness. Uh, is there... Uh, <clears throat> will uh, <clears throat> that be all, Your Highness? Uh, what? Uh, is, uh, is everything uh, quite satisfactory, Your Highness? No. Oh, well... I told the manager it wouldn't work if I tried it. What did he say? Oh, the man's demented. Yeah, we ought to uh, do something mm, about it. We will. Remind me in the morning to speak to the manager. We'll have him discharged before breakfast. Albert. Uh-huh. What are you doing? Polishing the silver? Well, you can stop. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're discharged. What? Are you deaf? You're discharged? Have you written to Mr. Hapgood already? Oh, I don't have to write to him. I'm discharging you at the request of the Grand Duchess Zania. I refuse to offer my resignation. Resignation? Are you crazy? You're through. You're finished. Pack your bag and get out. Where is Her Highness? Oh, it won't do you any good to appeal to her. Uh, get away from that phone. Hello, connect me with the Grand Duchess suite. Stop, do you hear what I say? Stop pushing, will you? I'm going to ask her myself. Yes, this is the Countess of Alof. Albert? Oh, not Prince Albert of Latvonia. What? Albert the wait? How dare you? Who was that, Proskovia? Oh, no one, Your Highness. Good. I'm in no mood to speak to anyone this morning. Uh, 
Your Highness is sad. Strangely enough, no. Now that I've at last decided to part with the necklace, I feel a sense of relief. After all, what does it matter? What does anything matter nowadays? Peter been here this morning? Yes, Your Highness. He left, but he left immediately. He's going to speak to the jeweler. He take the necklace with him? No, Your Highness. It's there in the jewel box. Mm, I suppose Peter will haggle for a week or two about the price. Your Highness, don't you think you should keep the necklace in the hotel safe? Don't be silly. But it's worth a fortune, and with so many robberies... Well, they won't rob the Grand Duchess Zania. Let that be enough. Yes, Your Highness. Well, uh, I shall want the car at four today, Countess. A ride would be good for me. A walk would be better, Your Highness. What? The chauffeur gave notice last night. He's gone. Why? Money. Poor fool, he should have waited till I sold the necklace. Well, we shall get someone else. Who is it? It's Albert. You! Get out of here. Uh, one moment, please. I thought you were discharged. Yes, I, I was, Your Highness, but you needn't be alarmed. I won't upset anything. I won't break anything or spill anything. You see, I have nothing in my hands except a napkin. This useless and perfectly hateful napkin. But why is it hateful? Well, because it's a symbol of my lowly station, Your Highness. It weighs a ton. Then why don't you put it in your pocket? You don't mind. <laughs> Thank you. There, I feel better already. Your Highness. What an extraordinary way. <laughs> I'm glad I'm able to make you laugh. I know how little gaiety there is in Your Highness's life. What do you mean? And, uh, oh, have I said too much? It would appear so. You Swiss believe too much in democracy. Swiss? No, not me. I'm an American. Really? What's an American way to doing in a Swiss hotel? Well, it's a long story, Your Highness. Then we shan't bother with it. Very good, Your Highness. But might I be allowed to ask Your Highness a question? No. Understand whatever your name is. Albert, Your Highness. Understand, Albert. Etiquette does not permit me to be asked questions. That must be rather a handicap to general conversation. Yes. Well, I promise not to ask any questions, but I have a request to make to Your Highness. A humble, a very humble petition. Impossible. All petitions must first be addressed to Countess Avalos, my lady-in-waiting. It is for her to decide whether they shall be passed on to me. I see. Uh, Countess Avalos, I beg of you, I beseech you to convey my petition to Her Highness. It depends on what it is. Whether I think it's suitable. I admit that I'm not a very experienced waiter. I'm clumsy, I know. I lose my head when I pass the asparagus. Mm, yes, go on. We know about that. But is that sufficient reason to blight my young career? To nip it in the bud? Hmm. I shall improve in time. I know I shall. And even if I haven't any of the qualities necessary to a good waiter, I may possess other virtues, unsuspected, hidden away, which are just as admirable. Is it not so? It's possible. Undoubtedly. Countess Zavalov, I am devoted to Her Highness. What? In a nice way. I am devoted to her with a loyalty, with a passion that mocks the power of words. All that I ask is to be allowed to serve her with the last breath in my body, with the last drop of my blood. In Her Highness's service, I should live in ecstasy. I should die content. That, Countess Avalov, is the petition I beg you to lay at the feet of Her Highness. Is that all? That's all. I refuse to forward your petition. You refuse? It's already in the wastebasket. Countess Avalov? Your Highness... Forward the man's petition. It, it is your highness' wish. It's my command. You may go, Albert. Huh? <laughs> Thank you, your highness. Schopenhauer was evidently right. Who, your highness? Schopenhauer, the German philosopher. He said that monarchy was the form of rule most natural to mankind. Mm. The common people in their hearts are still loyal to their rulers. And when we find a man like that, a mere waiter who can express himself on the subject with so much eloquence, so much obvious sincerity, how can we doubt that someday our people will return to a reasonable form of government? Uh, nothing is more certain, Your Highness. Yes. I'm glad I told the manager to discharge him. Now I can find something for him to do in my own household. What? He might even act as my chauffeur. We need one. As Your Highness wishes. 
Your Highness commands, and of course I can only obey. What's the matter? Have you anything against him? No, Your Highness, nothing. Nothing. Hmm? I merely ask if Your Highness is certain she is not making a mistake. A mistake? Is that waiter really the devoted monarchist that Your Highness seems to imagine? Oh, you're absurd. You see spies everywhere. Oh, I don't for a moment suggest that Albert's a spy. What I think he may be is... Well... Uh... Well, go on. But it isn't altogether impossible that the man may be in love. In love? With whom? With... Uh, with Your Highness. Roscovia, it's a long time since I boxed your ears. Your Highness. You're mad, absolutely mad. Yes, Your Highness. There can't be anybody so idiotic as you in the whole world. Oh, no, Your Highness. Look, terrible times we've been through have upset your mental balance. <laughs> the whole world's gone mad, I know. But even so, there must be some limits to its folly. Oh. There are a few things left that one may still regard as impossible. Uh, yes, Your Highness. The servant, this waiter in love with me. How dare you to imagine such a thing? Well, I, I don't know. But you must know. Explain yourself. Well, really, I, 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 I can't. But, well... You see, yes. for the last week he's certainly been been making eyes at your highness. Making eyes at yes. me? Proskovia, yes. leave the room at once. Oh, yes. Go and don't dare come back until my temper's had time to cool down. Yes, yes your yes. highness, yes. Matard. Oh, Matard. What is it? Come out in the driveway a minute, will you? What do you mean by yelling? Oh, so it's you. Will you tell Her Highness her car's here? You are working for her now, yes. Well, you fired me. Tell her, will you? Tell her yourself. She's coming now. Your Highness. I asked you to be here at four, Albert. I'm so sorry, Your Highness. Uh, there wasn't any gasoline in the car. Oh, uh, you put some in, I hope. Uh, yes, Your Highness. Uh, remind me to reimburse you at the end of the month. Where to, Your Highness? Anywhere. But before we start, I hope you're better at driving than you are at serving. <laughs> your, your Highness will be amazed. I hope so. At serving, Your Highness, I admitted that I was totally inexperienced. Really? But behind the wheel, I'm a new person. I understand automobiles. I admire your confidence. You've been driving long? Ten years, Your Highness, without an accident of any kind. Enviable record. Uh, what the... It might help if you turned on the switch. Your Highness. Did you say anywhere, Your Highness? Anywhere. All I want to do is relax and breathe fresh air, so go slowly. It will be a pleasure to serve, Your Highness. A great pleasure. You are devoted. Here, what are you doing? Stop! Stop! There's something wrong. Look out! Look out! Oh, you! Look what you've done. Look at the car. Well, what have you got to say? I'm so sorry, Your Highness. Something must have slipped again. Before we go on with the Lux Radio Theater's presentation of The Grand Duchess and the Waiter, let's stop in at one of Hollywood's department stores. It's closing time, and Lola and Irene, two salesgirls in the corset department, are totaling their sales for the day. Haven't you finished adding that yet, Lola? Four and three are seven, and one are eight, and four are twelve. There, that's what I call a record, over $112 in one day. Over $112? Mm -hmm. How do you do it? With the help of Lux. 
Lux? You don't sell Lux. <laughs> of course not, silly. But you can't wear a girdle and Lux it at the same time. You need at least two if you're to take proper care of them. Naturally. But then you spend twice as much. How do you explain that to your customers? <laughs> ah, that's easy. Buying two is so much more economical in the long run. When you Lux them oftener, they actually last longer. Lola's right. Alert women are discovering for themselves the economy of Lux care for girdles and foundations. Frequent luxing not only keeps them fresh and protects their fit, but actually prolongs their wear. These fine tissue-like flakes preserve elasticity, you know. They dissolve quickly in cool water. Hot water is bad for elastic fabrics. Soaps containing harmful alkali weaken elasticity. Lux has no harmful alkali. Anything safe in water alone is safe in Lux. Remember to get a box tomorrow. As you know, these gentle flakes preserve the life and luster of all your dainty things. And now, Mr. DeMille. With Alyssa Landy as the Grand Duchess, Robert Montgomery as the waiter, and an all-star cast, we continue our play. After wrecking the automobile, Albert was given another chance in Our Highness service, but not behind the wheel. He's been reduced to the position of footman and general handyman, bearing it with more than goodwill in order to be near the Duchess. It's a week later, and in his royal employer's suite, Albert is very carefully serving breakfast to Her Highness and the Grand Duke Paul. Uh, how many lumps, Your Highness? Two, and if you spill anything, I'll have you flogged. Yes, very good, Your Highness. I have mine black. Yes, Your Highness. Well, I suppose Peter's out again this morning, Xenia. He's out every morning. I can't understand. He's been haggling for a week with that blasted joint. Uncle Paul. Paul. What? Oh, uh, yes, of course. You may go, Martin. Martin? I said you may go. The name is Albert, Your Highness. I prefer to call you Martin. Avoid confusion with the Prince of Latvonia. Oh, Your Highness flatters me. Well, never mind that. Run along. <coughs> Wait, answer that. Yes, Your Highness. Hello? Hello? Martin speaking. Martin, Your Highness. Who is it? The Grand Duke Peter. Hello, Your Highness. Yes, Martin. No, no, Your Highness. Albert is no longer here. This is Martin. Oh, give me and... that phone. <laughs> yes, Your Highness. Hello, Peter. What do you want? What? What? Well, where are you? Oh, Peter. Senior, what is it? But, Peter, they can't do that. Oh... Oh, I see. I, I, I see. Senior, for the love of heaven, what... Speak louder. Yes. Yes, of course. Well, very well. Senior, what is the matter? The Grand Duke Peter's in jail. What? In jail. But what for? He sold too many motor cars on credit. Good Lord, I knew... I knew that scheme was too good. What are we going to do? Do, do? Well, what is the... Well, I don't know. If I may speak, Your Highness. Uh, well? Under the circumstances, the best possible course of action is to bail him out. Oh, uh, yeah, yes, certainly. Yes, uh, yes, of course, we, uh... uh if Your uh, Highness will leave it in my hands. Oh, of course. Thank you, Martin. I'll see the authority. Uh, and Martin... Yes, Your Highness? Um, uh, remind me to reimburse you at the end of the month. <laughs> yes, Your Highness. Her Highness changed it. Oh, bother. Have you seen Her Highness Barstow? You're the maid here, Henrietta, not me. Really? Really. 
Then what are you doing in Her Highness' room? Don't be saucy. It doesn't become you. I'm here because she told me to come here. Oh. She's getting awfully friendly with you, isn't she? She doesn't know I exist. Oh, yes, she does. Ever since you got the Grand Duke Peter out of jail, you've become her little pride and joy. You don't have to get so upset about it. I'm not. But every time she wants anything, she calls you. And even if she doesn't want anything, she thinks up something to want, so she'll have an excuse to call you. Are you sure of that? You don't have to look so happy about it. If I were you, I'd remember that she's a Grand Duchess, and you're nothing but a waiter. Oh, you're letting your imagination run away with you. So are you. Oh, Albert, don't let's argue. I don't like to argue. <laughs> Especially with you. Now, the name is Martin. Well, then Martin... Don't let's argue. Hmm? Excuse me, I, I... Oh, no, wait. Why do you always run away when I speak to you? Run away? Don't be silly. Oh, but I... you do. Don't you like me? Of course I like you. I like everybody. It's my disposition. You know, a girl could get to like you easily. Is that so? Albert, Now, I... here, stop it. You're choking oh, me. Oh, Albert, don't do that, please. <laughs> oh, Lord. Just what is going on here? Oh, Your Highness, Silence. I... Martin, I'm ashamed of you, my yes. own servant. Oh, but Your Highness, you have well, Yes, Your Highness. Well, what have you got to say to yourself? Nothing, Your Highness. Fine servant you are. You spill things down my back, wreck my car, and I find you kissing my maid. There's no limit to your audacity? Audacity? I'll tell Countess of Olive about this. She'll put a stop to your romance. Oh, Your Highness, you're not going to discharge me. No. <sighs> Thank you. Does it really mean so much to More you? More than Your Highness will ever know. Why? Your Highness, stop. I... I don't want to know. But I'll keep an eye on you in the future. You've had too much liberty. That's what's the matter with you. In the future, you'll be within call all the time. Even uh, at night? Yes. You can sleep outside my room. What? Outside my door, on the mat. Uh, on, the, on the mat? That's where Ivan used to sleep. Poor old Ivan. He's now so crippled with rheumatism, he can't sleep at all. Has it ever occurred to Your Highness that poor Ivan may be crippled with rheumatism from having slept on Your Highness's mat? You would think of that, of course. It's just like you. Anyhow, I give you permission to bring a rug. You'll be quite comfortable. Your Highness. Well? It's quite impossible for me to sleep here outside Your Highness's door. It would be fatal. You're afraid of Ivan's rheumatism. No. I'm ashamed of you. It would be absolutely fatal. Not necessarily. But if it were, you may be sure you'd be given a decent burial. Oh. You may leave now. And don't forget, you're to report to me here at 11 tonight with the mat. Yes, with the mat. I wonder where Xenia is. I don't know. She said she wanted to speak to us after dinner, and then she disappeared. You know, she's been acting very strangely of late. Have you noticed it? No. Ah, yeah, she wouldn't. But she has. And I think she must be in love. Uh, who? Why, Xenia. Oh. Oh, no, I don't think so. Uh, besides, uh, whom would she be in love with? Well, she's engaged to you. Eh? Oh, oh, yes. Good evening. Ah, oh, Xenia, at last. Well, we've been waiting for you. Yes, my dear. Where have you been? I went for a walk. I wanted to think. To think? Why, my dear Don't girl... Don't be so horrified, Peter. Peter, some people do think, you know. Well, you said you wanted to see us, Senior. Yes. Something astonishing has, has happened. Ah, I knew it. What? No, nothing. Go on. Well, listen. For the last two weeks, Peter's been trying to sell the necklace. Sell the necklace? Well, he hasn't been successful. No, that confounded jeweler won't meet our price. Never mind. During that time, we've been very hard-pressed for cash. That's true. But tonight, before dinner... I happened to look in the drawer of my desk, and I found 25,000 francs. 20, what luck. But I can't remember putting them there. That's why before you dressed before, for dinner, 
I asked you to turn out your pockets and make a note of exactly how much money each of us had. You, Uncle Paul, had a thousand francs, and you, Peter, six hundred and fifty. Yes. Now, uh, do you mind counting your money again? Well, sorry, we wish it. Let me see. Uh, six, seven, nine, eleven. Well, well, this is funny. I seem to have another 400 francs. That's curious. I've got an extra 200. There. You see? Well, this is very, uh, unusual. How did it happen? Well, that's the problem we've got to solve. Well, it appears very much as though we're the objects of a secret and generous charity. Ah, uh, but who is our anonymous benefactor? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, you don't suspect me, do you? No, Peter. You're right. I couldn't manage it. There's been rather a slump in the motor trade. Have you cross-examined the servants? They know nothing whatever about it. Well, they must have connived at it. Money doesn't drop from the skies. At least, uh, that's not its usual habit. No, more's the pity. I don't understand it, and it annoys me. Well, um, uh, what shall we do about it? Nothing. That is, until we've had a chance to think it over. Sleep on it tonight, and we'll talk further in the morning. What time is it, Uncle Paul? Well, it's going on for 11. 11? I must go to my room. Good night, Uncle Paul. Good night, Zeno. Good night, Peter. Uh, good night, my dear uh, love. Uh, good evening, Your Highness. Well, what are you doing in my sitting room? Your Highness told me I was to sleep at her door. I always go to bed at this hour, so here I am. What's that you're carrying? It's a dressing gown, Your Highness, and pajamas. Pajamas? Silk pajamas? Yes, I've slept in them for years. But are we coming to the lower classes wearing silk pajamas? We have to have some enjoyment, Your Highness. Silk pajamas are small compensation for the dreary existence of a waiter. Yes, I suppose so. You know, Martin, you're a very interesting person. Thank you. You're a little insane, of course. Of course. But nevertheless interesting. I think I enjoy talking to you. Every word your highness addresses to me is a glittering jewel flung from the stars. I treasure it. You really feel that way? That's only part of it. There's more? Much more. If your highness only knew how I worshipped... I don't want to hear it. I'm going to my room. Yes, your highness. Good night. Good night, your highness. Oh, by the way, before I go, let me give you a word of advice, or perhaps I should say of warning. I'm of rather a nervous disposition. I keep a revolver under my pillow. And if by any accident you happen to open my door unexpectedly, you'd be greeted with six bullets, not one of which would miss its mark. I think you understand. Yes, perfectly, Your Highness. Good night. Good night, Your Highness. Oh, Your Highness. I can't sleep. You didn't allow much time to try. Did no you? use, I can't. I want to talk. Shall I call the Countess Avalo? No, you do. Thank you. You said... One moment, whose keys and things are those on the table? They're mine. This your handkerchief, too? Yes, Your Highness. Pure silk. Must have cost at least a hundred francs. Yes, that's very likely. It was a present. Uh, from a woman? Uh, yes, Your Highness. Hmm. What's this thing? It's my wallet. You know, for money. Chagrin with a gold clasp. Another present? Uh, yes, Your Highness. From uh, the same woman? No, no, Your Highness, from another one. It was last year. I congratulate you on your constancy, the perfect lover. And who are you keeping company with now? Uh, no one, Your Highness. Why not? I'm in love. With whom? I don't dare to tell you, but it's I... It's lucky for you, you don't. <sighs> yes, Your Highness. Uh, may I have my wallet, please? Why? Well, it is mine. Well, what's in it? Your Highness is too inquisitive. How dare you? I'll see for myself. Your Highness! Stand back. Hmm. You're well supplied with money, aren't you? Uh, there are over 30,000 francs here. Why do you carry so much? Well, it's just an old habit of mine. I... I think I'm beginning to understand something. Those banknotes I found in my desk. The numbers follow these in your pocket. Your Highness, I'm sure that... So it's you who put those notes in my desk. 
And not only that, but you've been putting money in my purse, too. Well, speak up. Why have you done this? Your, your Highness is so, so extravagant. Extravagant? Well, aren't you? Uh... But why? Why on earth do you do this? What's your object? It had to be done. The manager's about to present his bill. I knew your Highness was, uh, was embarrassed and afraid you might have to leave the hotel. I didn't want that. Let me see exactly how I stand. I like things to be plain and above board. The simple truth of the matter is that for the last three weeks I've been supported by a waiter. Well, of course, if you put it like that... I, I... admire your impertinence. Well, I... Liberty's a wonderful thing, isn't it? When it enables a man to take such liberties. A waiter, a domestic servant, shares... But where did you get all this money? Your Highness, I... How on earth could you have so much? That's the thing I, I can't it's say. not difficult to guess. Thief, that's what you are. Thief? One of a gang of hotel robbers. Yes, perhaps you're right. The leader? Naturally. A murderer? Your Highness. If this were before the revolution, I'd have you sent to the salt mine. Yeah. But it's not too late, even now. I shall telephone the police. The telephone's over there on the desk. Give it to me. Certainly, Your Highness. Uh, shall I ring them for you? Yes, please. <clears throat> Hello? Give me the police station. What? Oh, no, any police station. We've got a thief here, and we want to hand him over. <laughs> Hello? Is that the police station? Oh, wait. Wait, please. <clears throat> Will Your Highness speak to them herself? No, I, I can't do it. You know I can't. It's more than I can bear. No, no, hello. She can't do it, and you know she can't do it. It's more than she can bear. <laughs> Goodbye. I love you. Oh. I've loved you. I've loved you for so long. I can't help it. I had to. Stop, stop. Please go, Martin. I beg of you. No, Your Highness, and after what's happened between us, I can no longer be Martin to you. Call me Albert. Albert, like the Prince of Latvonia. Albert, go away. Please, please. Oh, I love you. I do. But, oh, don't you understand? You must go away. You love me, too? How long have you loved me? That day you burnt me with that horrible melted butter. Oh, yes. It was then I suddenly realized... Not till then. I realized much earlier. When? Well, it was ten minutes earlier when I was serving the soup. I loved you so much I didn't know what I was doing. Luckily, they took the soup green away from me. The manager gave me the devil. Oh, how unjust it is. No, no, I deserved it. Oh, it's too unjust. Here am I, the most virtuous, the proudest of princesses, in love with a waiter. Xenia. What did you call me? Xenia. So it's come to this. A waiter has the right to call me Xenia. Now, look here. You're not going to be silly about this, oh, are you? don't you understand? I am the Grand Duchess Xenia. For generations, my family's been of noble blood. Our men have married queens. Our women, princes. Well, couldn't you make an exception in this case? Stop. Stop. I'm sorry, Xenia. Look up here. I want you to promise me one thing. Yes. Don't marry anyone else until you hear from but me. I... But... Promise? I love you, Albert. Darling. Mm -hmm. Ma, my stockings, Henrietta. Yes, Your Highness. Your Highness is unusually gay this morning. <laughs> Am I, Proskovia? Perhaps. Is there any particular reason? Perhaps. Will you find Albert Henrietta? Oh. Ask him to come up here. Yes, Your Highness. <laughs> the Grand Duke Peter has seen the jeweler again, Your Highness. Well, they've agreed upon a price. Good. To get the necklace, please, it's in the jewel box. The jewel box, yes. Well, it wasn't there this early this morning, Your Highness. What? But he hasn't been there for days. I assumed Your Highness had placed it in the hotel safe. Are you mad? Get me that box. Uh, yes, Your Highness. I haven't worn it in ages, and I remember putting it back in the case the last time Here, I... Your Highness. Let me see. It's gone. Your Highness! It's been stolen. But are you sure well, that you... Of course, you put... I'm sure. I've never kept it in any other place but here. Oh, Your Highness, what are you going to do? We must notify the police. Yes, Your Highness. Henrietta, quick, tell the Grand Duke Paul I'm see him at once. Yes, Your Highness. Wait, where's Albert? Oh, uh, I couldn't find him, Your Highness. What? 
I asked the manager and he told me that he left. Oh, what? He's left the hotel early this morning. Albert's oh. gone, but, but he's coming back. I don't think so, Your Highness. He had two suitcases with him. Your Highness. Be quiet. He's gone. I don't understand. He's stolen your necklace. That's oh, why he's don't gone. Don't be a fool. He, he couldn't. But the money. He had all that money. Oh, would a thief stay here after he'd stolen a necklace? Would a thief put money in my desk? He might. I always said there was something strange about that man. He's mad enough to do anything. The money, a week ago, yes. he'd have had time to realize on the necklace. Yes, that, it oh, all fits perfectly. Oh. It's the only solution. But last night, he said... No, I, I won't believe it. I won't. He couldn't have been a thief. No. <laughs> he couldn't do here. No. He's only gone out somewhere. He'll, he'll be back. He must come back. Oh, Your Highness, please. Clerk! Oh, clerk! One moment, monsieur. But I'm in a hurry. Yes, monsieur? What is it? I want a first-class ticket, please, on the next train to Paris. We pause for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. have passed since Albert disappeared from the hotel in Switzerland. We're back there now, in the main lounge. In the far corner, Metard, the manager, is talking to a well-dressed young man who has just arrived. As we come closer, we discover the young man to be none other than Albert himself. What I want to know is, what are you doing here? What I want to know is, where is the Grand Duchess Xenia? She's gone. Gone where? I've already told you I don't know. All of them, they left two days after you. Didn't she leave any forwarding address? No. But I've got to find her. Oh, yes, she wanted to see you too. The Countess of Orloff wanted to put the police on your trail. But the Grand Duchess wouldn't let her. Police? What did you do? Steal something? Do I look like a thief? Uh, yes, a little. Thanks. Now, look, Matt, I'll try to think. Did they mention any place, any town, any city, any country where they might have gone? Well, I, I think the Grand Duke said something about Milan. Milan. Yes, or maybe it was a Livorno. No, no, Milan. But I'm not sure. It's a great help, that is. Well, what more can I say? You're going to look for Yes, her? in Milan or maybe in Livorno. So long, Matar. Uh, goodbye. Grand Duchess Zania, I've been looking for her for the last two months. But you're not sure she came to Livorno? No. The police are not magicians, senor, but we will do what we can. Thanks. If you can pick up any trail at all. Yes, she was here in Marseille last October. October? Yeah, according to our records, she left Deauville at the end of the month. Deauville? There was a little trouble with the Grand Duke Peter. Trouble? Yes. He sold some motor cars. Oh, yes, yes, I know that trick, yes. <laughs> Thanks, officer. Only 
Train Dutchess for you, monsieur. Good. Where? Go to this address. You will find her there. The cabaret... Uh, uh, cab... Oh, no, 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 no. You must be mistaken. No, monsieur. She's the proprietress. Praskovia, <laughs> will you shut that door, please? Yes, your highness. Hmm. You needn't bother with calling me your highness any longer. I've told you that 20 times. Oh, but we must keep up appearances. It's good for business. Yes, I know. How much have we taken in tonight? Well, the Grand Duke Peter says 10,000 francs. But the Grand Duke Paul says seven. Yes, probably five. Mm. Where's Peter? At the hat check counter. He's checking the hats while the boy has his supper. Grand Duke checking hats in the cabaret. What a world. And if you'll pardon my saying so, your highness, None of us would be here if you'd allowed me to send the police after Stop that. Stop it. I won't have you throwing that up to me all the time. It was my necklace. And if I prefer to let him steal it, that's my business. Yes, Your Highness. Anyway, working's good for him. Certainly kept Peter out of trouble. He hasn't tried to sell a car for six months. <laughs> Hello, my love. Come in, Peter. How's business? Ah, never better, never better. I I've checked 130 hats in an hour. Did you get any tips? Uh, tips? Now, don't be vulgar. Your Highness. Yes? Will you check this bill, please? Yeah, uh, let me see it. I'll, uh, uh, 124.36. Why, this seems to be correctly totaled. Yes, it lacks imagination. Your Highness. Add another 50 francs. What, 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 what for? What for? The, uh, the, the flowers. But, but, but the, they, they didn't have any. Well, what's that got to do with it? I say... Peter, leave that bill alone. Do you want to get into trouble again? Oh, very well. Oh, uh, your highness. Yes? There's a young man at the corner table. He asked to see you. Well, I'm in for it again. They all want to meet a real grand duchess. After all, you can't blame them, and it's... Good for business. I'll see you later, Peter. Uh, yes, my sweet. Good evening, Your Highness. Oh, you? Oh, here, here. Now, don't faint. Oh, I have no intention of fainting. I'm relieved. Will you sit down? No, not here. Come outside my balcony. Thank you. Well... What are you doing here? I might ask you the same thing. Well, I should think you'd be ashamed to show your face after what you did. Oh, you mean my disappearing act? I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to speak to you before I left. I was in a hurry. I can imagine. I never thought you'd leave the hotel without hearing from me. It wasn't exactly honest, was it? Honest? What are you talking about? Well, you might have left word for me. If this is a joke, I'm not appreciating it. What did you come here for? First, to see you. Second, to return your necklace. Oh, then... Then you did take it? Yes, of course I did. But... but why? Isn't it obvious? I knew you were planning to sell it. I also knew you didn't want to sell it, so I took it. Took it away with me for safekeeping. There you are. Oh, good Lord. What's the matter? I, I don't know. I, I'm all confused. You didn't think I stole it, did you? Oh, I don't know what I thought. That money. All that money you had. Where did you get it? It was mine. You were only a waiter at the hotel. Yes, but I owned it. Owned what? The hotel. You owned... <laughs> Now, control yourself. I can't. What's so funny about a man owning a hotel? Every hotel is owned by somebody. But you, you awake. I was only learning the business. Will you please explain what this is? Well, it's very simple. You see, when my old uncle died, heaven rest his soul, he left me six hotels all over Europe with a proviso that I start from the bottom and learn everything about running them. So I became awake. Had to be a secret, of course. So even Matar didn't know. No, but... But I... when I left Switzerland, I went to Paris to see the trustee. I convinced him, and I, I knew the business. He was easily convinced. 
and I got control of the hotels. You own six hotels? No, 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 I sold them. Oh, why? Well, you had to marry a nobleman. A man can't be a nobleman and a hotel proprietor at the same time. Well, you are crazy. But I am a nobleman. How? On the way back, I stopped in Latvonia. I donated enough money to build a new hospital and to show their appreciation, they made me something. What was it? Oh, yes, a duke. A duke. I'm the duke of, uh, the duke of Stetvig. The duke of Stetvig? Yes, is it important? I never heard of it. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> well, am I noble enough? Am I? You. Well, we've changed around a little since the last time. And I still love you. I still love you. There's a justice on the next street. Shall we? I'll think it over on the way. My arm, Duchess. Thank you, Duke. And that was The Grand Duchess and the Waiter, starring Robert Montgomery and Alyssa Landy for the Lux Radio Theatre. Wonderful stuff. Well, just before I go, let's reveal who the hell that Hollywood legend was. Uh, well, I can't think of very many five feet eight tough guys. I'll just mention the name that comes to mind. Are you Edward G. Robinson? Yes, it was Edward G. Robinson. You must have got that one, surely. That voice. It simply remains for me to say once again, thank you so much for joining me. There'll be more Attaboy Clarence next week, plus a bonus show is coming every week during this series for patrons, so if you're a patron, do look out for that in the next few days. If you aren't a patron, then sign up. It's very quick, and you get bonuses, and I'll love you even more than I do now. For details on how, just keep listening to the end of this show. Until next time, then, take super amazing care of yourselves, and bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month, and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and e-books. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.